Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 158 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at one of the poor relations of the EV charging world, Northern Ireland. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap, the free-to-download app that helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Before we start, I wanted to wish everyone a belated Happy New Year, or a really early Happy New Year for 2024, or even later, depending on when you're listening to this. Next week's episode is a very special one. Every guest I've had on the podcast this season, I've asked them about their best and worst charging experiences. There are some doozies in there, and we'll hear some of the great ones in a show I'm calling The Charging Story Episode. I can also confirm that the three guests for the season-ending roundtable episode are Melanie Shufflebottom from podcast sponsors ZapMap, Kate Tyrrell from ChargeSafe, and John Curtis from the EV Cafe. Should be a very interesting episode. Our main topic of discussion today is Northern Ireland. Cast your mind back to episode 102, where Rob Shaw and I took a thousand kilometre trip around the charging wastelands of Great Britain in his ID3. We visited Wales, Merseyside, Lancashire, Yorkshire, Lincolnshire, Cambridgeshire, amongst other places. These are traditionally the sort of places people hold up as examples of the areas that charge point operators tend to forget about when it comes to new charger installs. Now, some of this is justified and some of it isn't. See episode 139 and 141 for more from the charge point operators about what they're doing in the charging wastelands. But one area we didn't visit, and there's a very good reason for it, is Northern Ireland. Obviously, fitting a ferry crossing into our schedule wasn't something we really wanted to get into for our journey, so we avoided that as much as possible. But another reason was that there really are very, very few charges in Northern Ireland. They're traditionally underserved, they have old hardware, and nobody seems keen to actually add any more out there. So today I want to look at three different things when it comes to Northern Ireland's charging infrastructure. Number one, identify what the scale of the problem is. Number two, identify and discuss the reason this situation occurred. Who put the initial units in? Why didn't they put more? What's stopping them putting more in now? And why does the DNO in Northern Ireland act like they do? Number three, Look at what needs to happen to make this change. Is it a government issue? Will laws change this? Is it financial? Will initiatives such as faster EV charge do more to move the ball forward? But let's start with a few facts. Northern Ireland is just under 5,500 square miles in area and it's home to 1.9 million people. That's about 27% of Ireland's population and about 3% of the UK's population. Scotland, in contrast, is 30,000 square miles and is home to nearly five and a half million people. Northern Ireland has 337 charges. Of that number, there are 22 rapids. Perhaps half of those are Chadamo only. That's reduced further by those that are broken, as high as 60% on some occasions. Plus around 50% of the AC network can be broken at any one time. Scotland has approximately 1,600 charges, But if you analyse that on a per capita basis, Scotland has 15 rapid charges for every 100,000 people. England has 9.4 for 
for every 100,000 people. Northern Ireland has 1.2. That's pretty bad, whichever way you look at it. Now, this situation seems a little untenable and some things have to change, right? So to discuss this today, I'm joined by Mark McCall, who is the chair of the Electric Vehicle Association in Northern Ireland, and he's been really helpful to me in preparing today's episode. Uh, welcome, Mark. Can you start by laying out for us the situation for how charging in Northern Ireland has traditionally been set up? Well, Gary, ironically, Northern Ireland was actually ahead of the game when in 2011, the Plugged In Places Consortium was formed by the then DRD, DOE, Borough Councils, Donnelly Motor Group and NIE Networks. NIE Networks, for its part, provided engineering expertise and they were responsible for the installation of all charging infrastructure in Northern Ireland. Uh, ESB contributed on engineering, uh, on branding and on marketing. That all led to the creation of probably one of the UK's first and foremost advanced EV charging networks, with at the time, I believe, uh, nine rapid chargers and 160 22 kilowatt ACs. So who's been funding charger installs? The consortium secured funding for the initial rollout of charging infrastructure from the Office for Low Emission Vehicles, as it was then. Uh, they also secured some European funding too, I believe. Uh, in 2015, DRDNI stated that it was its intent to exit its role as the network provider here. So uh, the network was uh, eventually passed to ESB. Why have none of the big UK charge point operators come across to Northern Ireland yet? I guess, Gary, uh, there was an issue here around legislation that set the maximum resale price for electricity, as there was in Great Britain too, of course. I believe this was originally to protect people from landlords profiteering, uh, reselling electricity at a huge markup. In any case, that was solved in March 2020, so it hasn't been an issue for nearly three years now. The other issue, which is unfortunately uh, still being faced, is the fact that the ESB network here is still free to use. While the reality is that the quality of the network is so bad and it suffers from so much abuse that most EV drivers now view it with considerable disdain. But external CPOs looking to invest here have historically found it difficult to produce a business case to compete with that free offering. So what's happening recently or what has happened recently to change things? Well, I guess if we look at uh, rapid charger numbers in Northern Ireland, it, it shows that, that things have really just, in the last 90 days, really start, started to take off here. For years, Northern Ireland had just 17 rapid chargers, and those ESB devices are often broken. Some are behind lock gates at night, and some are, are chatham only. I think the latest official figures, uh, October 22, from the Department for Transport, showed that we had... Uh, 22, it had grown from 17 to 22 very slowly over the last number of years. So that's 22 rapid chargers for the whole of Northern Ireland, you know, 1.9 million people. But other charge point operators, as I said, have been looking at Northern Ireland, working in the background and watching those unresolved issues with the incumbent network, getting ready to enter the market here. And at last, things are starting to change. And in the last few months, Northern Ireland has seen an additional new 23 new rapid chargers open here. So that's gone from 22 to 45 in the last 90 days. So it's really huge news for Northern Ireland after many years of thinking, you know, watching the network stagnate and seeing no progress. Uh, we, we are now really feel confident that, that, that we've turned the corner in Northern Ireland and that 2023 is going to continue to see uh, great growth here. Is this going far enough? And if not, why not? Oh, I guess, Gary, it's, it's, it's clearly not enough. You know, um, 
doubling a small number is still a relatively small number. But look, it's a positive direction of travel after years of stagnation and contraction, actually, in, in, in latter years. Um, road transport is a devolved matter, and the Department for Tra- Infrastructure here, DFI, is responsible for it. They produced a report last year that recommended around 1,000 rapid chargers are required here by 2025. So we have 45 uh, uh, as of today, um, with, with 24 months to go to 2025. So that 1,000 target seems a bit unachievable. I think if we if we set ourselves something at a target, um, possibly looking at Scotland, where they currently have um, 15 rapid chargers per 100,000 of population to Northern Ireland's one point something, um, that would give us a, a target here maybe of around 300 rapids, which would still be an order of magnitude more than we have today, but possibly a more achievable target. Of course, we need to increase year on year after that as well. Things can't just stop at 2025, and hopefully we will finally have, uh, uh, now that we have the Climate Change Act here in Northern Ireland, we'll finally have targets uh, set in the climate action plans that we can hold our executive to. To date, we have to say, though, that DFI has shown very little interest in EVs here, and our recent meeting with a very very senior, senior official in that department told us they have nothing to share around EVs here, uh, which is frankly baffling. So I think our, our executive and particularly DFI needs to uh, to get real here and uh, start working hard on this transition. So what work have EVA Northern Ireland been doing to change things? The uh, EV Association Northern Ireland originally formed in uh, 2016 as, as Northern Ireland EV owners back then, and we converted to uh, a not-for-profit community interest company just in, in March uh, 2021. We had great help from EVA Scotland, EVA England, the Irish EV Owners Association, and indeed we're working with the, the Welsh guys who now are setting up. In the last 20 months or so, we've held over 200 meetings with dozens of stakeholders. We've met ministers, permanent secretaries, MLAs, councillors, as well as regular meetings with our DNO, utility regulator, uh, multiple charge point operators, basically anyone that, that we think is involved in, in uh, as a stakeholder in this area. And how successful have your lobbying efforts been? Uh, ultimately, I guess that's uh, for others to judge, but we believe we've been successful, certainly in raising the profile of the plight of EV drivers here. And uh, I would say it's definitely now on the radar of every councillor and uh, MLA in the country. There's still plenty to do. Uh, and it feels like we're really at the start of solving the issues now. Um, our association has duliums, and we'd love to be able to put much more of our resources into the promotion of EVs going forward if we can be sure that uh, this representation piece that we've done over the last 18 months or so uh, is, is finally working. What do you think is the one thing that would make the biggest difference to the charging situation in Northern Ireland? We now have multiple charge point operators here, and there are even more significant uh, announcements coming in in the next few weeks that we've heard about. So uh, that's the good news. Uh, The most important thing for Northern Ireland to do now is to remove the hurdles for those charge point operators and uh, help them in the rollout of their networks. Those hurdles are are mostly around grid, grid capacity and grid connection pricing. Northern Ireland is different in a lot of areas and, and it's different in this area as well. Uh, the connecting customer here has to pay 100% of the strengthening of the network at the voltage level they're connecting to uh, and one above, which means that pricing here can be many times higher uh, than in GB. Um, Off-GEM's making a change, I think it's March or April next year, where 
Um, basically, any strengthening charges will be removed from the connecting customer in GB, whereas we'll still be be paying 100% here. Um, and, and that's one of the, the major uh, issues that we have to get right. Our utility, our utility regulator uh, is working on a consultation on this, and uh, we would be pushing strongly that, that, uh, that Northern Ireland um, does, uses the fast follow principle and, and gets behind the, the, the same uh, socialization of costs method or something similar. If the utility regulator finds that that's not going to work for Northern Ireland, we need to know who's going to fund uh, the strengthening of the network here because we've had the system for years that has actively discouraged people from expanding. So our, our network here is, is quite stretched. You know, there's not a lot of capacity left on the network here. So we need some sort of mechanism to modernize our network here and get ready, not just for EVs, but the electrification of heating. Um, Northern Ireland's got a target for 80% renewables generation in the Climate uh, Act as well um, by uh, 2030. So a lot, lots of renewables to connect as well. So our grid's not ready for a lot of these things and we need the utility regulator to help the DNO uh, to get the conditions right to, to make all these changes. What's the key issue for the EV driver on the ground other than the rapid charging situation? Yes, Gary, I guess the, the, the big one that, that I would add to this all is the, the plight of um, homeowners that, that don't have any off-street parking here. Um, th- there's a great divide emerging between EV drivers um, and, and it's around the ability to charge at home. So if you can charge at home at the minute in Northern Ireland, there's an incredible uh, rate available for overnight here at the moment of 1.6p, including VAT. Now, that, that's come about through the, the government energy guarantee scheme. And that, that, that is due to, to go up uh, in January. But uh, So if you can charge at home at the minute, you can avail of that. 1.6p works out at like a, a ten, a seven-tenths of a penny a mile, I think it worked out for me. Um, but if you have a terrace house or an apartment uh, or some other situation where you can't charge at home, then you are left uh, to uh, public charging only, which probably starts at around 40p for, for an AC charger at the minute and goes up to maybe... Uh, nearly 70p for uh, for public rabbits. So there's obviously a great divide there. And, and we often talk about this um, just transition. Um, we, we've met with officials from DFI and um, with uh, Oxfordshire City Council and looked at their gully uh, system, the, the little slot in, in the pavement to allow um, cables to be brought across and on people to, to charge at home. And we, we need to see much more work done on this much more quickly here. We've asked DFI for a pilot scheme, but we're still waiting for an answer on that. Um, we have other companies like um, Ubertricity that are keen to do pilots in Northern Ireland as well. But we have this issue where <clears throat> councils here, unlike in GB, uh, councils don't have jurisdiction for the roads here. Um, so it's a DFI joint DFI and, and council operation every time you need to cross a pavement or do something in the streets. So it's just another area where there's a difficulty in Northern Ireland. But with urban areas like Belfast, we're told are up to 60% of homes do not have off-street parking. Um, it, it's an important one that we we get right. And uh, we would just appeal to uh, the executive whenever it reforms on the MLAs and anyone listening just to, to help us with that. Let's get a pilot scheme going and let's get a, a solution for people that uh, that have to park in the street. As you can see, Northern Ireland is something of a poor relation when it comes to charging. A different set of priorities, alternate funding models, different legislation for DNOs and costs and other factors have all conspired to create a situation where Northern Ireland was very much behind the eight ball, as our friends in the US would say. 
Now, I asked a number of UK-based charge point operators if they had plans to implement any charges in Northern Ireland in 2023. The general consensus was that they were all anxious to be able to expand into, north, into the north, but there weren't too many who actually physically had plans to do so. Hopefully, the recent movement with increasing the charges in the area is the start of something longer lasting. But as Mark said, there will be issues with the grid and with pricing for quite a while to come, especially if you don't have off-street parking. There's a lot of inf additional information Mark sent through to me as background for this episode, and I've linked a lot of it in the show notes. It's well worth a read. Many thanks to Mark for coming on the show and chatting with me. And now it's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Occasional fully charged show presenter 2Bit Da Vinci has sold his Tesla Model 3 after owning it for three years. And he's made a video detailing all the costs of owning it. And it has to be said, the figures are pretty impressive. Over three years, he paid $3,617 to charge his Model 3. A Honda Civic, for example, would have cost about $9,000 to fuel over the same period of time for the same mileage. Repairs and maintenance have been minimal, as you would expect, coming to just over $3,000 on the car. And that includes rims and two sets of tyres, although he did sell his previous tyres and rims to put some money back into the pocket. And long story short, he spent less to charge, run and repair his Model 3 over three years than he would have spent on fuel alone if he was running an internal combustion engine car such as a Honda Civic. And that's in a country where fuel is a lot cheaper, relatively speaking, than it is here in the UK. The EV Musings podcast is sponsored by ZapMap. ZapMap is the go-to app for EV drivers in the UK. Use it to search for available chargers, plan electric journeys, pay for charging on participating networks, and share updates with other EV drivers. ZapMap is free to download and use, with subscription plans for enhanced features, such as using ZapMap in-car, on CarPlay, or Android Auto. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusing at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingTV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link's in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings. That's ko-fi.com slash evmusings. And you can do just that. Takes Apple Pay too. I have a couple of ebooks out there if you want to read something on your Kindle. So, you've got Electric, is available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. So, you've gone renewable. It's also available on Amazon for the same 99 pence, and it covers installing solar panels, a storage battery, and a heat pump. Why not check them both out? Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably five stars, as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engine. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingTV with the words, it's a whole different country. Hashtag, if you know, you know, nothing else. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's always looking for the best deal he can for his electric skateboarding. He found a private skate park out in the woods that allows you to skate in the dark without worrying about any troublesome laws about using scooters, etc. in public. You bring your own torch, safety gear and food. 
but everything else is included and access to the area is really, really cheap. An incredible uh, rate available for overnight here at the moment of 1.6p, including VAT. Thanks for listening. Bye.